You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so you don't have to. I'm JR. Hello, I'm Lee. I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Matt. It helps if you look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, So tonight we're talking about Demons of the Punjab. Okay. (laughs) Which is... uh, Well, let's start off in the usual way we start off these things. Matt, did you enjoy it? Yes. Okay. Simon, did you enjoy it? Uh, Second time, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you not enjoy it the first time? I kind of... I appreciated it first time, but it felt like there was a big hole in the middle of it. It was like a minty polo, and there was something missing in the hole in the, in the middle. But the second time, I kind of got it. Okay. And I thought it was okay, reasonable, but I don't know. I, I think this whole series has been a case of it's okay, reasonable, but there's been nothing particularly special. So I suppose we should talk about what it was about, really, because it was broadcast on Remembrance Sunday, and it was obviously pre-planned that it was going to be... Is there somebody who wants to say something? I'd like to say something. Yeah, go on, Lee. That's so rude, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's a reason I didn't ask you what you thought. Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with, with both Matt and Simon. I, I feel that there was a bit of a hole in the middle, but I, I quite liked it, actually. I how, they, how long was the hole that was in the middle? Was it 50 minutes long? About 15 chose, minutes, I'd say. 15, really? Yeah. Not 15. Demons were pretty good, weren't they? <laughs> Did you get as far as the wrapper of the polos? The wrapper. Did you the silver the foil. Yes. Yeah, I love the silver foil part of it. Are we sponsored by Polo Internet? No, but we are, for anybody who's a little bit confused about the inside jokes that are passing around this table at the moment, we are unwittingly performing uh, possibly a first. (laughs) (laughs) But something of an experiment in the podcasting world. Lee's about to talk about something he knows nothing about, which isn't an entire first, is it? (laughs) Well, no, that wouldn't be the first, but Lee is about to review an episode he has yet to see. Because (laughs) I've gone back to work this week, which means we can't record on Sunday nights anymore. And for the past five weeks, we've been gathering on a Sunday night, watching the episode together and talking about it afterwards. This week, we are recording on the Tuesday, so we have gathered, ready to talk about the episode... Assuming everybody's watched it, apart from Lee, who's done the usual Lee thing and made an entirely different assumption to the rest of the world. But but Lee's probably watched a 1980s pulp VHS of a zombie (coughs) movie. No, I watched Death Race 2001 and 2. Oh, okay. The originals. No, sorry, Death Race 1 and 2. The remakes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So are you going to review that whilst we review (laughs) Demons of Punjab? (laughs) I can do, but we'll do it at the end, yeah? So, 
Okay, we've got 60 minutes to fill. I'm going to try and talk about Demons of the Punjab without any spoilers, because we know that Lee doesn't like to be spoiled. I don't mind. <laughs> are you going to try and do that? That would be terrifying. Oh my God, we can't even... Yeah. Jail, my How are we going to talk about an episode <laughs> and anything that happens in it without spoiling it for you? We to can't. be fair, there Can aren't I guess? big Can I guess surprises, stuff? are there? Really? Well, no, and this is my issue with it, really. Not apart, only are they not... The... Well, you said... I mean, this is the first time this year I've been able to write the review first, and one of the things I said in the review was... They set up two puzzles, and they answer both of the puzzles before either of them becomes even remotely relevant. What are the alien species doing there? And like 15, 20 minutes before you get to the end of the episode, that's all explained. And the other one is, how does uh, Yaz's grand end up not being married to the man she's about to get married to? And as soon as you realise that the brother is on the other side of the fence, as it were. That's pretty much self-explanatory where that's going to go as well, isn't it? Who else? It's a story with three characters in it. One of them is the guy who's getting married. One of them is the woman he's getting married to. And the third one is the brother who doesn't approve. But how's the guy who's getting married going to die? Well, it's not going to be the woman he's getting married to, so it's going to be the brother who doesn't approve. But I still think it was supposed to be a twist that the brother was the culprit. It just wasn't very... I well, don't even know if it was, because the Doctor Who of this year has been walking you through things very carefully by the hand. Look at Rosa. How many times during that episode did they stop to say, we've got to put things back the way they're supposed to be? Mm. You didn't just see them doing it. You had them tell you what they're about to do before they go on and do it. And pretty much, that's been the story the entire year. They stop and have a conversation mm. about what they're going to do. And then they do it. You remember when we watched the second episode? And I complained about the second episode and we assumed it was going to be... Well, we hoped it was going to be a one-off. Was that every two minutes the Doctor was saying, oh, this is happening, this is going to happen. You mean running into a room and describing what they're seeing? Or not even running into a room and describing what they're seeing, but running into a room and stopping before they open the door to tell you what's going to be on the other side of the door. Mm. There were several times that happened too. The bit where they go up through the ladder in mm. the second episode yeah. and she tells them what's going to be at the top of the ladder and what they've got to do when they get there. Uh, yeah. This is, And we kind of assumed that that was probably just going to be in that episode and that that would sort of start to take a back seat. But every week since, we've had exactly the same thing. And this is the first one that's been written by somebody else. So there's a bit less of telling you what's going to happen, but the story still functions in exactly the same way. Mm. It still walks you through what's going to happen. So I don't, I don't think it necessarily was supposed to be a twist. Maybe for people who are not taking any notice, but when there's only three characters in the plot, mm. and one of those characters has to murder one of the other characters, there ain't a great deal of choice about who it can possibly be. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think this was operating the same way as Rosa, and as much as there was. Sorry this... about the spoiler, Lee. That's right. Is this, is this set in India by any chance? Yes. Right. On oh, the, the day of the, the partition. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Oh, mm. wow. Yeah. There's, there's, there's this big thing as soon as you hear about what it's about, and it's happening at the time of the partition. As with Rosa, there, there's this thing, I don't know what you'd call it, this this meaning behind the story that kind of hovers above the story. Yeah, yeah, almost yeah. like a, 
it sounds wrong to say a halo because anyone who's being cynical about the the, the fact that all these little history lessons are, are happening within the stories is going to be quite cynical and use a term like that. But it is like a halo that sort of sits above the story and almost overpowers it. Well, so it's, it's almost like that's more important than the story being any good in its own right. Well, with Rosa, that make sense? Mm-hmm. the big fear yeah. was that the series would do something to undermine the emotional impact mm. of what happened. And as soon as we saw that that didn't happen, as soon as we saw how carefully they made sure they didn't do that, that kind of echoes down onto this episode. Mm. So now you go into this episode knowing that they're not going to sort of undermine the emotional impact. So then, yeah, it's like, it's a bit like, whereas in the 1960s, they would go to, say, you know, in the Aztecs, they'd go to, is that Peru or Mexico? Mexico. It's Yeah, Mexico. And Barbara wants to get involved. And there's this big argument. But actually, if you look at the Aztecs, there's this big argument that the Doctor, having said you can't change history, not one line, then walks away from and spends the rest of the story not bothering to try and stop her because he knows she can't do it. Mm. It's like mm. with these episodes, you've got the same thing as is going on there, but it's going on said. So they turn up and instead of saying, oh, you can't change history, with this this week, it's taken as read that history's going to mm. play its course. So the episode, which is takes place in not even a village, just a barn, really, Mm. with three people, essentially. I mean, I've exaggerated when I say it's three people, but it's not really many more than that. So it does what Doctor Who does. It boils a big thing down to three people having a tiny little individual story, which is essentially a sort of analogy for the bigger story that's going on. So I preferred it to Rosa. And I think I think the difference between Rosa is like what JR's just said. The difference with Rosa, it's a the story of Rosa Parks is a very personal one. She makes a very personal act that has wider repercussions. And so you have a collision between the personal stories of the TARDIS team and the personal story of Rosa Parks. With this one, you have what you've just said, you have the broad story of partition as a kind of a background. And I quite like the fact that it's not set in the city that we don't see a lot of yeah, these yeah. things happening, that they've sort of focused it down into a very, very, so personal that it's... Three people. Know, in it's effectively <laughs> three people. And I kind of like that. And I think in terms of what this series seems to be trying to do, which is strip everything off and just tell really small stories, this is probably the most successful it's been for me. Is it three people in an Indian barn? Or three people in a Welsh barn. This is going to be intolerable. Um, It's in Spain. It's filmed in in Spain. Spain. But some of it's filmed near Wales, I think. There was Puzzlewood. Yeah. It's the woodland bits were were sort of Welsh. And then I think the interior of the barn at some point was a set. Okay. But the barn is literally on the border between India and what's about to be Pakistan. Yeah. Like, literally. It's a good setting. Yeah, I liked. I thought it was good, and I thought it it didn't have it blurred because I didn't know a lot about partition. I didn't know why well, I knew bits and pieces, but I didn't know the details. That well, it's one of those things out. that everybody's heard of, but nobody yeah. really knows because it's and I, it's not really our history. And I didn't feel at any point in this episode the Doctor sat me down 
and taught me the history of partition. No. I felt that I learnt it through other people's conversations. It wasn't always yeah. Like, it mm. wasn't always smooth conversations. You occasionally, particularly to start with, the the supporting characters, the the guest characters, had very unusual conversations where they said, "So about this partition that's about to happen, let's yeah. listen to it on the news." This is possibly kind of where it. where my second viewing worked uh, far better than the first time. I did feel like there was a it was kind of vague. Yeah. It didn't really explain it, it, it explained partition in simple terms. Yeah. But it seemed to go on, as you say, in this personal story with a few characters and then all of a sudden these blokes turn up on horses mm. and that's where it touches them. And that's yeah. you know, and the and the brother suddenly has do... this flip flop with his character. Yeah, but they do talk about yeah, they the fact do, they that they're gonna it. turn up on horses. I mean not literally, but mm. they talk about the fact that there are people marauding and what have you and they do throughout it. the episode. They do it basically. quite smartly as well, because isn't it on the radio that you can hear in the background. You hear about like oh there's riots in the city and and then, that's quite a classic trait yeah. though, isn't it, to explain yeah. what's going on. Yeah, but we haven't but then we haven't really had that very much no, no, this, no. this series. This is this is this felt like a return to a slightly right. better, and then a, more intelligent storytelling. And a few minutes later you get like one of the characters says, I can hear shouting and yelling down the valley mm. and things like that. Yeah. Mm. So throughout the episode, I think so the idea, idea didn't pick up on those first time. I certainly did the second time. But I think the idea is that you're supposed to get the impression throughout the episode that it's getting closer. Mm. But I never really felt it was. No, this is it. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I should, I should qualify my statement. It's not our history, which I was going to go on and add mm-hmm. to. Yeah. yeah, it's history that we have had a part of. Yeah. But obviously, it's a history that's been whitewashed because what we did wasn't especially good. So you don't learn about it in English schools. No. But it did feel also there were no English characters in it, and it felt like a land abandoned by the English, which mm. is which is a good thing. So it wasn't it wasn't uh, Jewel in the Crown or sort of it, it wasn't this kind of Raj sort of heritage porn, which easily. I was which I was thinking it might end up be, but actually they managed to they managed to really focus it on. The Indian characters. Well, it was quite it's shocking true. how easily they managed to accept the fact that there were, what, two white people there, mm. given what was happening. There was the offhand comment, wasn't there, about keeping quiet if you're English. Yeah, yeah but the brother should have been... Well, well one of the this two brothers. This is what brothers. I mean. He's I mean, so... a bit vague about which side... Well, so the, so the yeah. They talked about the English mm. and getting rid of the English. Yeah. And about we fought this war for the English so we could get rid of the English. And then there's, you know, to all intents and purposes, two English there. And neither of them's really batting an eyelid. And I just, I just got the impression throughout the entire episode that for all the thought, there were some very thoughtful, very nice touches. The reason for the aliens being there for example mm. although it was pretty much the same thing yes, that Stephen Moffat did in Twice Upon a Time yeah, yeah. but the reason why they're there was a really nice reason especially given that it's Remembrance Sunday that it goes out on and they're there to essentially represent Remembrance Sunday but that was nice that was a really nice idea but it also felt throughout as well that a lot of the other stuff hadn't quite been thought through. No. For And that's one example, the so, idea that there are two English there at the time of partition, as this is all going on, and nobody really seems to So if I can notice. work it out, so the evil brother is pro-Pakistan, so he'd be pro-par- pro-partition. 
No, the evil brother, for want of a better word, is pro-India. Pro wants to get rid of the Pakistanis. Yeah, so he right. that's why so, he, so wants... he is pro-partition. He's pro-partition, but so anti-Pakistan. He wants to get rid of them, hence he's right. happy to put up the fence. So he probably wouldn't mind the English that much, because it's the English that are mm-hmm. dividing up the country. The good, the good brother is, the toler- is, the a, tolerant, is yeah. a tolerant one, so even though he doesn't like the idea of partition. He he tolerate just normal British people. Being True, there. but there should have been more in it. Yeah, we should have. We should have. If you're going to do a story set at the time of something like partition, and you're going to put two white English characters on the screen there, yeah, the story really needed to address that at some point. Needed, Even if it's just a couple of lines of dialogue, it needed yeah. to do a Rosa. Yeah, mm. where they actually yeah the bit at the start where Ryan gets punched in yeah. Rosa, mm. that was exactly what this needed at the start. Then they could have talked it out, just two lines of dialogue, and then they could have moved on. What the but, hell are you doing here? Sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. the audience would have had Shouldn't that impression. And there, there are a couple of lines that sort of refer to it, like you say, but in such an offhand way that it, you, as although, and, as the audience, you don't really get the impression it means anything. Although that first, the first scene where they encounter, who do they encounter first? Is it the holy man and it's and the Prem, good brother? Prem, yeah, the Prem. good brother yeah. and the holy yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a touching scene. I like the fact it that sweet, were, yeah. it was sort of unquestioning. And once they've been like, once they've got the sort of the 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 good say so of the good brother. Then they integrate into the family. So yeah. there's a kind of a uh, construction thing. Well, that's what that I'm saying, yeah. They're nice people. What they've done is quite yeah. nice. Yeah. But it's the things that they've missed out doing mm. that seem to affect how the episode plays at a sort of emotional level. Does mm. this episode bring anything new to the canon? Of Doctor mm. Who? Yeah. It does, sort of. I mean, it doesn't. If you've seen season one with William Hartnell, really, I guess. But it's centred around a marriage. So it's about... It's about this tiny story with three people. And that's something that Doctor Who, in a historical sense, doesn't usually do. Because usually if you've got an historical... And, okay, going back to talk about season one, because I've been comparing this to season one. In one of those stories, you've got... Um, Marco Polo and um, oh what the hell's he called the one who goes on the journey uh, no Marco Polo goes on the journey Kublai Khan who he meets at the end of it sorry so you've got big historical figures there in the reign of terror you've got Robespierre and um, Napoleon and even in the Aztecs although they turn up in a village you've got the head priest of the village the head of the village the deadliest assassin in the village <clears throat> That's a in joke that you'll get yes. once you see the episode late. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you've got all these things in all these stories in the sixties, and then since the series has come back, it's always been celebrity historicals, mm. pretty much. So this is doing a, a really grassroots, just the regular people it's, type historical in a way that I don't know if we've had an example. It's kind of putting its money where its mouth is because. I think the the whole Capaldi... So, if you look at the arc of the Capaldi stories, it moves from the Doctor not caring about humanity at all, just seeing the bigger picture, mm-hmm. and the little people can sort of... He tramples underfoot. And the arc of his story, he ends up pretty much in hell-bent, like, almost destroying the universe just for one person, just for yeah. one human. Mm-hmm. And that kind of carries on, his sort of yeah. humanity carries on. 
And now this is where we actually see that, I think, in action. That the Doctor... I mean, she's not sacrificing the entire universe, but she's she's dealing with an individual marriage, a single marriage. Right, she's more... Um, has more empathy. She has more, more empathy. Except, she's got more focus on, on she, individuals. And this is the biggest issue with the episode, though, because they get there, they just, there are three people in a barn, essentially. They discover, essentially, that one of those people is going to be killed by one of the other two, and they don't do anything about it. They just watch it unfold. Mm. And although they sort of give nominal reasons in the script why they've got to watch it unfold, that is just so undoctor-like. Fires of Pompeii, when Donna's screaming at the Doctor, you've got to save somebody, at least. You've got to at least make an effort to save somebody. And this is the Capaldi bit, when he remembers back, that's the bit he remembers back to mm. in The Woman Who Lived. The Woman Who Lived or The Girl Who Died? One or the other. The girl mm. Who Died. That's the bit he remembers back to when he's getting his humanity back. And that's what the Doctor always stands for. You do what you can to save people. And he just... That that was the big... If there's a hole in the middle of the polo in this episode, the big thing is the Doctor just says, Oh, he's going to die. Like twenty minutes before uh, the end yeah, of the she episode, does, yeah, she does say yeah. that he has to die in order for Yaz to. Yeah, I think. Oh, I know. That's I didn't what think I'm it was saying. I didn't think mm. it was a hole. I think it was the intention, and I think this has always been the intention. It was the intention of Rose. No, no, that, that you're getting me wrong. They have to be. In, that is in the active. intention of this episode, yeah. but that goes against the Doctor's oh, I character, see, and that's why we feel. And a that's slight, why it feels like a really odd episode yeah. because it's just mm. this is not what the Doctor should and would be doing but i don't think it was played that she just accepted it i think she accepted it with that. a degree of pain and obviously the but she accepted it the mirror it's story like... is father's day surely and yeah in a lot of ways isn't that the same thing where he basically well, basically dad... but in yeah. father's day she knew that he was gonna die mm. in this episode you had to have the aliens turn up to tell her and even then they didn't tell her the manner of it it was, it's one of those things where they put all the pieces of the jigsaw together to make sure it all flows ahead logically. But emotionally, watching that episode, I'm thinking you're making excuses here for the Doctor not to do anything rather than giving the Doctor a reason but not all, to do anything. Even though it's out of character for the Doctor not to not to sort of move heaven and earth to try and save an individual, I found that to be one of the more dramatic moments. I found that to be one of the more engaging bits of this, the fact that they couldn't do anything and they were forced to be an actor. I think if this was the only episode where the Doctor has appeared like a benign uh, presence Mm. in the adventures, then we would be saying, isn't this a nice change? Isn't Mm. this... Because I thought that was really nice. Because I think the the whole... The the assassins who weren't assassins... Sorry, Lee. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think they're kind of symbolic of the viewer that we are paying yeah. homage to this. But the trouble is, basically, this is an episode where the story is the Doctor has to stand by and watch something horrible happen. Well, what did we have three weeks ago? Rosa. Yeah. And they're all standing on the bus watching as something horrible mm. happens. Mm. It's the same. So this is the same and it's, story as they told in Rosa. It's Doctor Who is spectating history rather than playing yeah. history. Which is going back to season one. Mm. 
but the world's moved on rather in 55 years and we've had 55 more years of Doctor Who and Doctor Who's moved on mm. and that character that William Hartnell played as the Doctor in season one is not the character of the Doctor now. So it felt, so like you say, yeah, it's an important part of the episode. It's all logically explained within the episode. But emotionally, I'm sitting there looking at it and thinking, there's something wrong here. This yeah. is not how this story, this series works. I had an emotional reaction as far as, and this was partly down to Bradley Walsh's performance when he was saying goodbye to Prez before he... Prem, sorry. Prem. Prem, yeah. I couldn't remember his name. I was thinking of ways I could remember it and I got it completely wrong. Um, <laughs> I suppose good job you didn't say in because that's how I was remembering it. Prem, the air in. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I, well, I thought Premier and then I was thinking President. No. Oh, you twit. You see, you should have gone with the in. Oh, <laughs> but so Bradley Walsh is the entry point mm. for all of these these episodes. Mm. Well, Yaz was the end, supposedly the entry point for this one. I don't I, know. I don't know. I, don't, I think, yeah, I think I she was the she was the focus of this episode, but not the entry point because it's all about spectating. Well, no, so. she's the entry point because she's there and the the um, scenes at the start and the end. Yeah, but so I mean, you're supposed to be as a viewer. You're supposed to be following her emotional journey mm. as she watches. I'm uh, not convinced she was carrying it. If I'm honest. I was well, going to say how the elsewhere. You're supposed to be watching her emotional journey as she watches her nan apparently get married to somebody who's not her granddad. Mm. And then, Sorry, after Lee. she's... But the, the idea yeah, is right. that she sees her grand fall in love with this fella, mm. so then she becomes emotionally attached to this fella too, and then has to watch him die. But even in 50 minutes, it's all over and done with so quickly... <clears throat> that you don't really get to feel what Yaz is supposed to feel. I thought she played a really nice performance of underplaying it. Mm. But the trouble is, I think underplaying it, when you've only got 50 minutes and you've got to sell big emotions, Mm. sometimes doesn't work. And again, that's been like that throughout the entire series. I think it's an incredibly subtle episode. Mm. And I don't know how that will communicate to the viewers that we think they're kind of trying to grab onto, if if you get my meaning. You know, we, we, we've been watching this series play out in a way where we say, well, we're not the ideal viewership. Yeah, and yeah. The, these aren't, this isn't the Doctor Who we know, and that's, be, that's because, because they're staring elsewhere, audience, but I'm yeah. not actually sure that this would go well, down that well with that. This AI has dipped to the lowest this week that they've had since, well, Sleep No More and Love and Monsters. And I don't think there are any other episodes since 2005 that mm. have dipped below 80. It's quite... It's so, really, it's yeah. really fractious at the moment because my, I'm in a Facebook bubble of mostly Doctor Who fans, mm. which is fine because mostly Doctor Who fans are listening to this. So last week's episode was incredibly unpopular. Yeah, on my Facebook. I don't really know why. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know why. But I mean, it was there's, some, bit, there's yeah. something that's triggering people about last week's, and there's something about. This week, and it's just... This week was incredibly this week's popular. Was popular, but yeah. amongst fans. Yeah, but I also there were some AI people who absolutely hated it as well. Okay. Because I'm in a few groups, and I don't tend to read much, but I'd probably see a little bit more than Matt does. Mm. I get the impression <coughs> that each episode this series has appealed to a different subsection of Doctor mm. Who fandom. So the ones who really like Rosa probably didn't like Arachnids in the UK so much. And the ones who did really like the Saranga 
conundrum because there were a few who really did like that one a lot. Mm. Won't be the ones who like this, and so on down the line. And it's the same on this podcast that we've. I've I liked the the, the Saranga conundrum and this one, but didn't like. I really disliked Arachnids in the UK, and I was a bit sort of down on Rosa. And I didn't mm. mind whatever the ghost monument. But I thought this one was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, Lee. It's okay. You carry on. <coughs> I think it's true. I think by simplifying it like that, because, <coughs> sorry, if you've got, say, the Russell T. Davies era, you pretty much know what you're getting from one week to the next. Because there's always that finesse of Russell T. Davis on it. Definitely from the second season. First season, I had no idea what was coming next. Yeah, but if you go back and watch it, you yeah. know what kind of characterization, yeah. you, you, you know what so. kind of dialogue. You've got the Russell T. Davis finesse. So whatever the story's about, you're always guaranteed of having that Russell T. Davis finesse on top of it. Mm-hmm. And pretty much the same thing was true through the Stephen Moffat years. There were a couple of episodes in there that felt authored by other people. Mm. Notably, actually, the Chris Chibnall ones. I think, for me, those felt very much not Stephen Moffat to me. Mm-hmm. But mostly, you knew that you were getting a finesse of Stephen Moffat. With this, the finesse is either so light and subtle or else so pared back. that, And it's so stripped back and simple that you're not looking at the finesse, you're looking at the substance instead, maybe. And maybe that's what's splitting people up more, because... Mm-hmm. Under Moffat, I mean, all the Moffat haters, they hated the M- Moffat finesse. Didn't matter what the stories were about, it was the Moffat finesse they hated. And going back even further, with Russell T. Davis, it was the same thing. It didn't matter what the episodes were about, it was the Russell T. Davis-ness of them that divided the fandom. Now you've got a showrunner, and you can't really hear his author's voice. There are certain subjects and topics that come up right. week after week. absolutely right. There's a lack of identity to it yeah Isn't but without there? that identity weirdly, lack of voice weirdly it seems to be split into three so the historical stories this year although there has only been two of them they've done they the same feel thing, like yeah. they've got a single identity yeah the outer space stories feel like they're of one piece and then the sheffield set stories feel like they're of one piece but they're not kind of they don't feel like they connect they don't feel like they connect yeah yeah so when the character's go from Sheffield or go back to Sheffield, it doesn't quite feel like they're the same characters that were just no just in the Saranga mm. conundrum. It feels like it, it, almost it feels like there are three stories being told, but it doesn't feel like they've actually travelled anywhere. Do you know what struck me as well? And although this is the first one that doesn't have Chris Chibnall's name on the credits at all, I think that's what threw it into relief a bit. I get the feeling that Chris Chibnall had things that he wanted to do and to say. But I also think maybe he was persuaded into this job against his better judgment. Because uh, I interviewed him a few years ago and I asked him, and he was a, we did it face to face, and he was being completely open with me, as you can see if you read the interview with some of the things he said about other things. But when I asked him if he wanted to do the Doctor Who job, and he told me no, he didn't want to do it, and I have to say, he sounded like he was absolutely genuine about not wanting to do it. Mm. I get the feeling the BBC pursued him because of the success he'd had with Broadchurch. And I don't know how quick or how slow he might have been to say yes. And maybe as soon as they asked, it was inevitable that he always would. But I just wonder, maybe 
he had things he wanted to do and things he wanted to say, but Doctor Who might not necessarily have been the place where he wanted to do and say those things. Mm. Mm. I just get the feeling watching this episode, and I know this is not one of the ones written by Chris Chibnall, but maybe the six episodes we've had feel like somebody's doing a professional job of work, but maybe their heart's not quite as in it as it was with Moffat and Davis. Because the Chibnalls that we've seen are very different to what we're, we're looking at now. And of course, you know, they're individual stories which you can just throw yourself into. You're a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, let's let's go hell for leather. <coughs> then you go off and do something like Broadchurch, which, you know, is a completely different way of writing. It's a hit in the way... Its style is a hit as well. So you bring that style into the Doctor Who, which you think, oh, you know, got Doctor Who, fantastic. But then suddenly, just to but buzz. suddenly you kind of... I don't know. You Once you've gone somewhere else and you have to come back to this world it's almost like well it's there, there seems to be a bit of confusion as to what Chibnall well I was to. just going to say I'm curious to know did the BBC ask Chris Chibnall to bring the broad church to Doctor Who mm. or did he just bring it because that's what he's just done but he just... has brought the broad church to Doctor Who essentially hasn't he mm. well, it feels like it feels like Stephen Moffat and Russell T Davis they brought heart to it but also that heart took the form of humour mm. and even when they were like like dispirited by the series or fed up with writing for the series or stressed out of their minds there's still the, a lot the of humour yeah. would actually increase because mm. that's their fallback with Chris Chibnall I get the idea the impression that it's mechanics it's story mm. construction that he is his comfort zone well, and the humour might come writing team, afterwards isn't he? isn't he? well that's, the other, that's that? the other thing I'm wondering is how doesn't that just squash all the fun out of things when you have an initial idea by the end of a writing team it doesn't necessarily have it doesn't necessarily have to but i wonder if this is the first time it's been tried maybe this is the effect of having well, this a writing, is what I mean, team an American quite... writing team hmm. might be a completely different beast to a british writing team i don't know what who's on the writing team here hmm. but a bunch of brits getting together you know miseries aren't they really <laughs> <laughs> but i've also got to say as much as the new cameras make everything look lovely, yeah. and as much as the new music makes everything sound modern, whatever, I don't think either of those things serve adventure storytelling on a television budget. It was gorgeous tonight. I have to say, the soundtrack was outstanding. Yeah, but it tonight. slows everything down. It does. And it, it does. doesn't just slow it down, it brings the tone well, down as well. I was well. going to say this. And it, maybe it's just, both things together, the pictures and the music together. Mm. But this is a subconscious thing, or whether the knowledge that the show is going to move to a Sunday is much further back than we believe it is. This doesn't feel like a series that would have sat at all on a Saturday night. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like Saturday night television at all. No. Even to the point where at some point I suddenly thought, am I watching World at Heart? Well, it looks and feels like a show that's on from nine till ten. Yeah. And it's sort of in a... Part of the reason it's getting such big viewing figures is because this is a slot where it's got no competition and it's at the head of a really strong evening's worth of entertainment. So it's doing, what, other, yeah. what other stuff is on Sunday evenings or has been in that slot? Well, normally it's Countryfile, Antiques Roadshow, Strictly and uh, Poldark. Right, so all of those things are quite energetic in the way that they're being put across. So they're not anything like... Countryfile. 
Really? Yeah, well, even Country File. They really <laughs> should bring back One Man and His Dog. That was the best programme. Yeah, if you nice see ever. Country File, they'll tell... They've got, like, four reporters, and each yeah. one will have a story, but it hops okay. between them it all hops, the way yeah. through. I'm t- yeah, talking about pace and the, the, the liveliness of it. Any documentary stuff is the same. Called Midwife uh, is up all the way through. Right. It's you know, scene by scene by scene. There's tension, tension, tension. It's great. I love watching that. Paul Dark's the same thing. Tension, tension, tension. is up all the way through. Mm. Even the slow bits feel like you're on the edge of something. And it just does. It feels like, yeah, this does feel like Broadchurch, but it isn't. It is Doctor Who. So I think <laughs> someone needs to take stock of this this year. And, and well, yes and no, bring because it up a little bit. With... But I also think there's a place for Doctor Who to do things like that. Yeah. So but I don't think some... Doctor Who necessarily well, should always be the same. But I just and... think that that they haven't quite got it, and that this year the scripts and the camera work and the music and the direction. And I said this several times on this podcast already. But I just think they haven't quite worked out how they all fit together, and they just don't quite fit together yet. Mm. Maybe next year, if they do the same thing next year, having learnt lessons from this year, you know they'll they'll nail it. But if you think yeah. about something like Broadchurch, those central characters, David Tennant's car- character and Olivia Coleman Coleman's character, who is probably the best character in it mm. from mm. what I've seen. But both of those are broken characters aren't they and that's what makes it interesting and that's what makes them interesting central characters mm. because of how they react to the situations because they've got their own battles let alone yeah you know while they're solving the the murder and all that sort of thing they're actually trying to heal themselves at the same time and there's not that much of that going on they but got Graham and Ryan but they're telling it so slowly they're telling it yeah. at broad church pace so that their story is told across 10 episodes rather than you know, as it would be with something like Rose and Mickey, mm, over yeah. and done with in the first, mm. or whatever. But the Doctor hasn't got any battles to fight in this series so far. Well, that's the other. The other thing is, there's no, there's no through story, and the, and that's sort of a good thing because it's back to basics. It's just yeah. story, story, story. But also, it takes the energy away as well. Mm. You've got nothing propelling you into the next story, and I thought they were going to. Ha- after that first episode cliffhanger, it's when it not... threw you into the second one, I thought it was going to do that each week. But and when they mentioned the Stenza in the second one, you kind of thought, oh, this is being set up as a theme for the series. Mm. Well, I kind of hoped it wasn't. I'm quite happy not to see But you thought it was. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of made it feel like there would be something ongoing. But really, all you've got that's ongoing is Ryan and Graham. Mm. And the odd thing is... <coughs> Broadchurch, the strongest characters in that, and the ones with the most issues in that, are all the female characters. Mm. And Chris Chibnall said, I, w- I took the job on the understanding that I'd make the Doctor a woman. And I said, when he said that, because patently, you look at things like Broadchurch, he likes writing the women characters. But then you look at this, and Ryan and Graham have got a story going on, and yes, and the Doctor have got nothing. No, It's a really weird way for it to turn out. It's yeah, not what yeah. you predict. I mean, said that, are we now at the halfway stage or are we just beyond, beyond the halfway, halfway stage? Six down, four to go. So we're possibly tipping into the the sort of build-up to a series finale, which we'd expect. Well, you'd imagine. And if it doesn't but... do that, then it might just sort of... Well, we've got fizzle. now coming yeah. up another Sheffield one in a factory by the look of it from the trailer at the end. <laughs> Then another... No, 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 next week's is an outer space one. No, no, it's the week after. No, next week is... Is, is it outer space? Yeah. The, the clown thing? Yeah. 
Oh, no. I thought it looked like a factory. They were all wearing. No, it's going to be. It's the Kablam. Yeah, the Kablam one is set in a in an orbiting. Oh, is it intergalactic shopping mall? Oh, okay, fair enough. I thought mm. I just assumed it was set in a factory in Sheffield where they're making something called Kablam or something. Mm. They're all wearing the um, I think high vis look- jackets. Yeah, that's, that's what they're yeah. yeah, and then we've got the James the First one after yeah. that, and then presumably how many left after that? Two. Okay. <laughs> so what is it oh, going to be? Time flies. Yeah. Yeah. Needs to pick up speed, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes and no, because if they're not doing the ongoing story. How's it gonna pick up speed? Mm. So if there is, we had that one thing, didn't we, where the uh, the uh, those weird ribbon things in the second episode, where they said something about the time child or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, the talking hankies. Yeah, but they did that in a way, a very it could, could go either way, couldn't it? Yeah, that could just be, oh, you're the doctor, right? Mm. This is what you mm. are. Mm. You see, we've been looking at things, and because we're used to Russell T Davis and Stephen Moffat, we're used to them. Having a meaning that's going and to relate to something off, yeah. later on, mm. yeah, but that doesn't necessarily follow this year, does it? Well, I was kind of expecting them to be absolutely nothing. So because they said there's going to be absolutely nothing, nothing, and they, well, they didn't say there was not going to be a story arc, right? They said it was going to be ten individual episodes. They the the, the distinction they were making was that there weren't going to be any two parters, right. not that there wasn't going to be an arc. Yeah, they never actually said, insofar as I'm aware, that there wasn't going to be an arc. They just said there were not going to be any two parters. Mm. So, I don't know really what we were supposed to expect or what we were expecting. Mm. I just assumed some kind of an arc would turn up. Do we have any younger listeners that might be able to tell us how they feel? Yes, I know my ten year old Freya was. She said it was all right when she watched this one. Mm. It was alright. I mean, the series in general. The age group that it seems to be aiming at. Pictures in us. Lee, nobody writes into podcasts anymore. Why not? Well, it just doesn't happen very much. The number of podcasts what, I listen time, to, and they e- say, oh, no emails again this week. Or they've email? got two emails or Is something. It, ever since we basically ridiculed most of the people writing in, we just don't get people writing we, in We anymore. don't do that. I guess you're blaming sure. me for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So what is our email? Just have interest. Is, the, is this the extent of your contribution, Lee? I want people to write in, because we seem to be all on the same page, which is weird yeah. for us. So it'd be nice to have some oh, not diverse. We're not quite at the same page. There. We used to get criticised for being too agreeable all the way through Stephen Moffat's era. Really? I seem to remember, yeah. yeah. Um, it's blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. Or just find JR underscore Southall on Twitter, or find blueboxpodcast... Doctor Who, the Blue Box podcast on Facebook, I guess. Mm. Joe, you should be easy to find now. You've been tagged into hundreds of thousands of <laughs> tweets. <laughs> yeah. Joe's the new Kim Kardashian of the Doctor Who world. Oh, God. Jeremy Vine tweeted something about Doctor Who that was uh, a little, perhaps, not misjudged, because he did it for clickbait. Yeah. And somebody quoted my tweet as the first response so every other response <laughs> under that thread every like of every other response under that thread has tagged me in a notification so in the past four days I have had something well I suppose I've had something in the region of I don't know thousands 
10,000 notifications off Twitter, something like that. It's just been stupid. Did it run your battery down? Well, no, because I don't have um, Twitter on my phone. Oh, don't you? No. So Mm. what I'm saying is I go on the PC and I only go in there like once an hour. And I go in there after an hour and there'll be like, you know, 40, 60, 100, 200 notifications. I don't know anybody else who uses Twitter on PC apart from me. It's totally a phone thing, right? Yeah, and it's supposed to be, but I, I don't really on PC. Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> but I, have to use it <laughs> work. I, I, yeah, I've got it on my phone. But if I really want to look at it, if I want to look at it properly, I look on the PC because my eyesight's so bad. Why do well, you... I, use, I use I use Tweet TweetDeck because I'm managing like all of these different accounts. I'm going to be selling fudge in Bermuda on Twitter. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, oh. I've got a gig selling fudge in Bermuda. Brilliant. Yeah, can't make it sound cool. It's all right if they pay you. Is it real fudge or is it anything? No, it's good fudge. Is it in a triangle? I've tried it. It should be in a triangle. No. A triangle fudge. That's great. Because of the Bermuda Triangle, there's loads of fudge. It's the only fudge. (laughs) It's the only fudge supplier in Bermuda. Is it? What's it called? The Bermuda Fudge Company. (laughs) (laughs) Company. (laughs) Seriously, it's good fudge. Has there ever been an episode of Doctor Who set in the Bermuda Triangle? No, but Hotel Transylvania 3 is. And there was a quant- there was a Quantum Leap episode set in Bermuda Triangle. Don't remember that one. He, he leapt into somebody flying a plane. Right. Anyway. I didn't see the... Bre- so people are claiming that there's a big Brexit subject, subtext. And I thought... Spec partition. Yeah, I know, but I just didn't... Yeah, but this is it, Matt. All throughout this series, you've wanted every illusion to be absolutely banged on. Sometimes people don't bang on their illusions. No, but there's more... They just make general illusions to similar things. There's a bigger point that, that when they do make an illusion to a direct a direct political thing, they do bang it on. They, they have a hotelier with a big gold... His big gold initials on the top of his hotel. Not always. With, with this one. But it's I quite like it because I think with this one, it's more about the birth of fundamentalism. And it's more of a general thing. But that's not what it's about, is it? No, but I think that's the subtext. I think that's the message behind it, is this <clears throat> this brother that's that's become this sort of fundamentalist. But also, it's being broadcast on Remembrance Sunday, and it's about all the people who died. Yeah, which is a general thing. But it's, mm. I didn't think it was about Brexit. Well, it's about partition. It's about a yeah, country but, being... But I think... But I think to being use... separated off... From I, but I think it makes a point. It makes a point. The the fact that a number of I know a number of people, including myself, knew very little about this. So those millions of people who died, yeah. I had no idea. But also, hence, yeah, so, hence the witnesses are symbolic of of our own ignorance. Yeah, some so, so they're there to represent yeah. remembrance itself. So I like the idea of it being representing remembrance and it being about partition and it's being about remembering partition but to make it into a brexit metaphor is slightly tasteless because you have the partition of india into pakistan and india that's not a parallel with with brexit there's just it's just it's it's too different a thing 
and it's too important a thing to be a parallel with Brexit. Brexit isn't going to be this, this kind of, it's kind of <clears throat> involuntary split in a in a historical institution. Which <clears throat> is not. Which is why I think to make a Brexit to make a Brexit parallel with this is slightly well, certainly not going to be if May gets their way today. Slightly dodgy. Mm. Well. But I, I just, I I just think it's slightly tasteless. You, you could, if, in if some respects, in the, in, in the idea of the boundary, and that some people treat that as a, a red flag to become it's already nasty happened. about the People were beating people up when the referendum happened. Yeah. On my Facebook tonight, somebody said about Brexit in March, he said... My Italian girlfriend's about to be deported and I'm running out of time. My Italian fiancé is about to be deported and I'm running out of time to do anything about it. Yeah, so what I'm not saying is Brexit is great and it's not going to cause any problems. What I'm saying is mm. to see the story about the partitioning <laughs> the partitioning of India as being a metaphor for Brexit. I don't think the partition of India is a metaphor for Brexit. No, but I've read people reading a metaphor for Brexit into this but, story, but then with all, with which all... is about the partitioning of India. <sighs> but, art, but yeah, with any art, though, you, you take from it what you see in there. and there, I think it touches on certain, certain behaviours. It touches on it's about, it's about a family who are about to get split off into two different countries. Mm. And like it, I just said, that's happening now in this country. Mm. So the meaning's there if you want it to be there. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think it's necessarily focused on that at all. I think it's focused on what what was going on in India. Mm. Anybody else got anything they want to bring up about this episode, Lee? Were there any jokes in it? <laughs> was there anything funny? No, not really. She, the doctor, made reference to knowing Mount Batten, which was a very sort of third doctory yeah. statement because Mount Batten isn't. She's done that a couple of times this series already. Yeah, mm. but it's a third doctory thing in the sense that yeah. so it's like Hitler, what a bounder. That kind of Well Chippewa's a bit of a third doctor fan, I would guess. I mean he's done a remake of Green Death. Whereas um <laughs> Moffat seemed to be fifth doctor meets second doctor. Chibnall seems to be third doctor meets first. But I think it's it's slightly it's like dated in the sense that to to be talking about knowing Mountbatten, Mountbatten is quite a divisive mm. historical figure. It's not like wow. knowing, I don't know, who's, other references in the past of this series. It's, well, it's, it's kind in of, with the rest of the episode, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, have we run out of things? I, I, think, I still I liked it. I think one <laughs> thing about this series, we're not learning much about the Doctor. Considering the Doctor's just gone through the most profound change. Mm. Well, we always said, it, unless there's somebody there to recognise the fact that she used to be a man, it's not going to come up. No. <clears throat> no. And maybe it should maybe it should come up a bit more in the stories, in her response to things, but I don't really think so. Apparently, the other writers, and probably the people in the writers' room, didn't know it was going to be a woman Doctor mm. until they cast her. So they were all writing as if the Doctor would be a man, which goes back to what I always said about the Doctor's just gender neutral. Uh, well, one thing I've thought is, um, and this has nothing to do with the gender of the Doctor at all, I, I feel she's one of the first Doctors 
where it would have been a distinct advantage to write for her mm. as an actor in, in as much as what she's bringing. Because I don't feel there's some real strengths coming through. Every now and again, you'll see a glimpse. Yeah. It of, just feels of a bit like they're writing for Tennant. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know yet people who say, oh, you just write a doctor story. But I don't think, I don't think so. I think when you write, it certainly is, as far as fan fiction is concerned, if you focus on a particular doctor. The doctor's got a core thing. There are certain things you can go, oh, that's very doctory. You can't even put your finger on it. Sometimes you can, sometimes it's obvious. Mm. But generally speaking, most of the doctors, I think the actors always bring themselves plus one to it. Well, the ten doctor was always written to be thinking aloud. Mm. And Jodie Whittaker's being written to be thinking aloud. And most of the other Doctors haven't been written to be thinking aloud. Mm. They've been the quiet plotters, really. Or the ones who confuse the enemy into doing something stupid that they can take advantage of. But usually, that that baffling the enemy doesn't take the form of telling the enemy exactly what you're going to do. And... The, the sort of thinking aloud thing that Tennant and Whitaker have done is more on the nose than that. But then we've not really had anything in the way of enemies this year, really. The one this week turns out to be sort of, you know, not beneficial, what's the word I'm looking for? Benevolent. Mm. Then last week it was a little thing that eats things, but it didn't, but not in a way where it interacted with anybody. And then the week before, the Sarang, uh, the Arachnids, again, they were sort of... Innocent. Innocent, it had been done to them. Rosa Parks, there's just some some guy. Mm. It is starting to, starting to become sensitive to death for the first time in a while. So there was a time in Doctor Who under Davis and Moffat where you expected people to die in an episode of Doctor Who. And if there's a high death toll, then that's just you know somebody's died. Now, the now they've got to the, now they've got to the stage where if there's a death in the episode, then actually it that's means quite something. a big yeah. a big moment. Even the holy man death, that was quite a sort of an affecting an affecting scene. They didn't explain explain how he died. Did they? He, well, he got shot, but she didn't see the no. There was a bit oh, of he a did mis- get shot mystery. I by think the brothers, the brother, yeah, but she did a thorough examin- <laughs> examination. <laughs> and in a very undoctory way, didn't presumably spot a big no bullet f- hole. F- bullet hole, but you know suspension of disbelief. Yeah, so that's yeah. fine. Can I can I say that I, there was an awful lot I liked about the episode? I, I looked I, as with a lot of the other episodes, it looked beautiful, and I thought visually, you know, as far as the cinematography, I thought it was mm. great. I thought it was probably the best looking Doctor Who episode there's ever been. Mm. It's mm. almost. <laughs> There's an Indian director called Sanjit Ray who he, he doesn't do Bollywood. He does films set in rural India in small villages with elderly elderly people, elderly grandmothers and holy men. And and it felt very much like this. That well, kind of village the, on the edge of a forest. Uh, the name of the guy who directed Elizabeth. Wow. His early films as well. Okay. Very similar. Right. Uh, not, yeah, it looks like non Bollywood Indian cinema. Mm. There was one shot which I thought was very Spielberg. I wish Andy was here actually because 
there was a shot where the brother stepped out of a shadow and the shadow was covering his face and then as he, mm. as he came forward, it revealed his face. And I thought well, it was really... standard, really. And the, know, it's very Spielberg. The moment where the brother it's points his... very Carol Reed, the third man. Is it? That's how Orson yeah. Welles turns up in that uh, film. Ah, okay. The moment the, the brother points his gun at the Doctor, that felt somehow felt like a really big moment in Doctor Who because mm. you suddenly got because they've they kind of they kind of not having that many deaths in this series that moment I mean people are always pointing guns at the Doctor but that moment felt like a genuine moment of not danger because you know the Doctor's not going to die but mm. jeopardy I guess mm. there's a kind of a oh, stop agreeing Lee mm. <laughs> was it pointed at her face yeah I think so well, it was, We've it not was seen that yet. Yeah, the doctor had her. his head blown off and then regenerate back into something else. No, no. But this felt like a moment. No. Right. I don't know. This was my favourite of this series. Has so she far. used a Venusian Arcido in this one? Because she, she got it no. back, which is great to protect herself with. So she could have sidestepped the gun and just planted her fingers on his neck. No, she did this as a McCoy thing of just. Talking him down. Yeah, you I don't want to so. do that. That's a really bad thing. You're a much better man than that. Was it like that? Yeah, no, it's a little bit cleverer than that. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> I only had a couple of seconds to think it up. <laughs> Should we give it a score? Sure. Okay, Lee. Well, I, I want to give it a 10, but uh, I need to give it a second watch. Okay. Maybe give it a first watch first. <laughs> okay, Simon. Um, I'm in a quandary because... I gave Rose a nine out of ten, but then I did the, I did the Halo thing. I I said about the fact that you know it did such a brave thing and did it well that I thought it was important enough to get a score like that. But I agree with Matt that this was better than Rose. Well, you can give it the same score and just say it's a better version of that score. Yeah, but then talking with you lot has made me realize that it was it was flawed in a lot of ways. But I did think <laughs> it was such miseries. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't that the point of us discussing? What being that, that it does affect our scores. You well, know? I've heard all the flaws, and I don't really care about them. No. Because I still think it's... You know, I, I almost want to shift Rosa back to an eight, so this one can be a nine, because it should be... Oh, give it, it a ten. Good. No, no, no. No, it wasn't a ten. It's a nine, was. then. It's definitely a nine. <laughs> okay. There you go. Uh, I gave it a seven in the review, so and I'm sticking with that here. Matt? Well, I like Simon. I think I've, I think I've sort of... Up marks things, <clears throat> so I'm I'm running out of numbers. But I think I'll give it a nine because I can't remember what I've given previous episodes. I think I gave the Saranga conundrum an eight. Yes. I would have given it, yeah. first watch. I would have given it a seven, but now I'm giving it a nine. So for me, this oh. is the be- for me this is the best Saranga conundrum is probably the second best for me, and then probably Rosa, then the others. That's where I'm at the moment. You're, is... the, you're the most intelligent person on this podcast. How can you give Saranga an H? Because I really, I thought it was good. <laughs> it's academically the most intelligent. Yeah, that doesn't make him the most intelligent. It makes him the most <laughs> is that, is that And that is two entirely different things. <laughs> I can live with that. <laughs> it's. I'll go back to what I said about Sorry. Yeah. It's Doctor Who is character drama instead of sci-fi adventure. That's what we've been getting for the last six weeks. And But it's not deep enough to be really good character drama yet. Well, the trouble with it is that if you're going to do character drama, 
you need to focus on the characters. Mm. And that's what Broadchurch does. It focuses on Tennant and Coleman all the way through the eight episodes. This is ten episodes and it's got four central characters. But there are two of those central characters. It's not given any character development to. And the other two are so way down the list of things it focuses on because it's a character drama that's doing Adventure of the Week. If it was an adventure that's doing Adventure of the Week with character drama thrown in, fine. But if you're making a character drama first and foremost... So this week you focus on the Indian characters at the expense of the TARDIS crew. Mm. But then last week you focus on the pilot of the spacecraft at the expense of the TARDIS crew and although for example Graham gets a moment every week it takes an awfully long time for those moments to add up to anything and although Ryan gets a little bit of development every week they're just tiny little instances of development Mm. rather than an ongoing story of development Mm. and I think that's where this series isn't sitting very well because it's trying to do something that Doctor Who doesn't usually do, and it's trying to do it for an audience that don't necessarily aren't necessarily the audience that generally would watch Doctor Who, and it's just kind of it's difficult to review it as not Doctor Who, but it's difficult to see it as Doctor Who. It's something mm, slightly mm. in between. It's like the USP's been side side shelved to a degree. USP, because, USP, yeah. yeah. I thought you said the USB. And That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we as fans, we want that special Doctor Who thing to be full frontal in our faces, don't we? And because it'd be interesting to see what the BBC make of it. Because mm. their doc- Doctor Who is to them is the big adventure show that they sell. And this is doing something different. And it started with massive viewing figures. But, you know, I, I've said. I've given out facts on Twitter that show how strong the viewing figures are. But the fact is, they have gone down every single week. Normally, there'd be a bit of up and... Normally, there's a high start and a general downwards trend, but a bit of give and take. But both the viewing figures and the AI have gone down every week, which only by small degrees, but still you've never seen that before. It'd be interesting to see whether the BBC are happy with Doctor Who that's not the big adventure show. Yeah. Or whether it'll swing back maybe in the other direction next time a bit more. Who knows? I think it will. I just think it will. Well, I guess we'll find out. Mm. Anybody else got anything else they want to bring up? No? Okay. In that case, we'll call it a night. I was JR. I was Lee. I was Simon. I was Matt. And we'll speak again soon.
thought the demon's bits were the best. 